Welcome to Let's Talk About Shreks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack and Earl discuss Room for Growth, Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 4. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. We are Earl Grey. <laughs> we are Jack Dorino. And together we make... Four people, apparently. We're at least four people. If we're both we. <laughs> so we have two special guests this episode. There's me, there's myself, there's you, and then there's Yai. Yi. Yes. <laughs> What's the episode that we're talking about this week, Jack? Um, Today we're going to review Star Trek. What's your name? How about we start the whole show over? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is take two. Three, two, one. Click. Welcome, everybody. My name is Earl Gray. My name is Jack Dorino. Today, we'll be reviewing Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 4, Room for Growth. There is room for growth. There's a lot of room for growth for this show, actually. There's a lot of different ideas that happen with this show every episode. Almost like they're trying to fit an hour into half an hour. For sure. For sure. Like, they're always trying to cram stuff into like the little yeah. bit of space they have which is actually what our lower deck set is talking about uh right at the open of the episode we have a, basically a battlestar galactica uh locker room scene as uh, some people are walking around uh, not quite clothed we don't qu quite go all the way to the blu-ray version of that scene <laughs> but he probably a, just got a lot of fur there like they do in, when they censor oh Disney movies. My. As uh, as we're having this whole conversation, Captain Freeman comes in and she says, as Lower Decks characters seem to do every episode, she comes in and she says, hey, let's do the episode Masks from Star Trek yes. The Next Generation. Season 7, episode 17. Yes, this is when Masaka is waiting for all good things. <laughs> season seven was yes. like i don't know let's do sliders with wharf <laughs> hey let's have wharf and troy make out <laughs> where, where did that where did that come from that was in all good things i mean that they did they ever start any so dating or anything? all right so my my remember. theory about that comes in that when she was help when alexander was on the ship yeah, she was helping him with Alexander is oh, when they right. would have grown closer. Okay. And they would have been talking more and she would have been counseling him and he would have been being gruff and she'd have gotten turned on yeah. by it because she likes unavailable men. Yeah. <laughs> like Will Ray. Well, I'm going to go now. Okay. See you later. Yep. <laughs> here I go. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, uh, Worf tends to like unavailable women also. Uh, oh, wait. Well, I mean, he was just swooping in for the kill because Riker was just hovering and waiting to see what happens. Oh, well, so I don't know if you've read Imzadi 2, but he actually oh. asked permission. So Imzadi 2 actually explores the Worf-Troy relationship a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Worf actually asked permission. Okay. Well, that's nice of him. It's, that's it's honorable. Armor. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, episode number 24 of the series. Mm-hmm. And it's episode number 857 of the entire Star Trek run. It is indeed. Written by John Cochran. 
no relation. John Cochran. Yes, we've seen the name before. I feel like we've seen the, also the name Sean Cochran. That might be somebody else. We've also seen the name Zephyr and Cochran. I don't know. If yeah, yeah, any yeah. Relation. Maybe. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it's his great great grandfather. Wait, <laughs> no, it can't be. No, his Zephyr and Cochran would be alive now, correct? Yes. Oh, so you're it's, right. It would be his brother. <laughs> or uh, or his son. Cousin. Fair enough. It's definitely a cousin of some sort. The episode is directed by Jason Zurich. Yes, our favorite Vulcan director is back. Jason Zurich. <laughs> uh, it was released on the 15th of September, 2022, one week after Star Trek Day. It was one week after Star Trek Day. Tendi has a new pet this episode. Oh, Goopy. Which is vaguely cute and somewhat funny. Goopy is in a beaker of water, I'm assuming. It keeps on getting spilled. Yeah. Which is convenient. That's how you want. That's how you want your your pets. Is yeah. that you have to carry them around and it'd be good. There, there's a there's a movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Pinocchio, <laughs> where this old guy carries a fish around in a fish bowl. Uh huh. For like days on end. Sort of mm-hmm. the same idea, I think. So I forgive. Somehow the Tindy. water never spills. Yeah, I I forgive Tindy Gloopy because, you know, Geppetto. Yeah, and Captain Freeman's mask is a callback to the Darcy archive. Captain Freeman calls herself sort of like Masaka, I think is the idea. Yeah. She comes in and she's like, hey, Masaka, I mean, Manuki is waiting, waking. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think is the second time that this has happened? She said like it was the third time this happened this week or something, didn't she? I I thought she said this week too, and I thought... I think she's. I don't think she's talking about it in general. Like I don't think she's making any reference to. I don't think that Mariner well, is making any direct reference to the episode "Masks of Star Trek: Next Generation." Oh, okay. I think that she's saying this particular thing has happened several times aboard this ship within like recent memory for them. Mm, okay. So I think that's the that I think that takes us all the way up to the end of the teaser. Why don't yeah. we take a break and come right back after this commercial? Wonderful. Hi, my name is Isaac, and I'm from Australia, and if you're hearing me, that means you also like Star Trek, which makes you a friend in my book. So if you like Let's Talk About Treks, and would like to hear more podcasts, why not give us a try? Search for Unplanned Trek, where you can listen to a podcast about a random episode out of all Star Trek series, where we look at things like the best and worst characters, as well as we're giving out the Riker Medal for any love interest that we see this week. So search on Twitter and your podcast provider. Unplanned Trek. And give our show a go. You may find that you recognise a voice or two as we have special guests coming up all the time. So... If you like a light-hearted podcast with a little twist of humor and a big focus on Star Trek, just give us a go, folks. All you have to do is search for Unplanned Trek. Live long and prosper. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, welcome back, you. Yes. Welcome back to the Lower Decks having the treat of a captain's log. It's, yes. uh, we, we've been getting a lot of rare treats for the Lower Deckers uh, this season on on Lower Decks. Uh, as she's ending her log, we're, we're sort of in a in sort of a field briefing down in engineering where everyone is clearly, like, exhausted. You are yeah. a f***ing pile of stress. And I, I thought it was kind of funny how Chief Engineer Billups, he does kind of freak out and he tries to 
slaps Shax. Yes. And he's just so tired and so weak, he can't even manage to get a, a decent slap in. Yeah, I had to rewind this moment like a couple of times <laughs> because there was like one slap at the beginning and I wasn't I felt that that was Shaq slapping Billup so I had to go back like wait what and then but it was Billup slapping him and Shaq really doesn't react and then he falls against him and then he like soft slaps him like it seems like he's patting him on the back no 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 no. oh no you're saying okay Billup soft slaps Shaq again is that just because he knew he could get away with it in the moment I don't know Phillips has obviously been worked ragged here. Yeah, but I do think Phillips recognized that he had the opportunity and he could get away with it in this moment. And this might be the only moment where he <laughs> might actually get away with it and just went ahead with it. Yeah. Phillips slips up and mentions that it was the crazy mess you made. And I thought it was kind of interesting how Freeman didn't own up to the fact that, yeah, even though she was possessed, she was the one who touched the mask in the first place. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Where did the mask come from? Like, did they bring it aboard the ship? Like, it had to have come aboard the ship somehow. Mm, yeah. Like, did they bring it aboard the ship and then they let her touch it? Or... Maybe they brought it aboard as a captain's gift. Captain's gift. It was like a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so, Freeman orders that the engineering staff take a, a mandatory vacation. They mentioned the Carlsbad again, and I was wondering if it was an indication that this episode actually takes place prior to mining the mine's mine. Like before? Yeah, like it was created and supposed to be released before. Kind of like when Yar... Oh, no, no, no. I see what you're saying. I think that... No, I think we're going to see the Carlsbad continuously. Kind of like the Hood. In my head, like the Hood is the commander of their battle group, right? Okay. And then... With them, they have several support ships, and two of those uh-huh. support ships are like the Carlsbad for science and the uh, Cerritos mm-hmm. for operations, and then they have like some other ships that are also part of that group. Okay, I suppose that makes sense. So we rejoin our lower deck set as we're discussing an upcoming room lottery that's announced. Yeah. The understanding is that there's going to be four rooms available on deck one. Now, my question is... What's your question? I thought that the bridge was basically usually all there was on deck one that is a good question yeah i mean uh, does the observation lounge count if you'll recall on the enterprise d yeah the observation lounge was down a ramp was it there was a deck that only existed in that rotunda of the bridge and it actually spanned more than one day it spanned like a deck and a half okay the bridge was like a split level (laughs) (laughs) this is a a beautiful split level home and so you would so you would walk up from the conference lounge to the con and ops area and then up from the con and ops area to the tactical station and the bathrooms in the back <laughs> i mean when you look at like a side view like what like say yeah. the credits are happening right and the ship's going to go past there is a sort of a cylindrical section raised that encompasses a much larger area than it would on a galaxy class ship it actually is more mm. like the area of that rotunda that actually included the main shuttle bay so like uh, that uh, at least two or three decks worth so i guess there are are also quarters that are clustered around the main bridge but that seems like would you want to live right next to the main bridge like if anybody shoots that's what they're shooting at is that really where you want to be obviously it would give the commanders access quick access to on a red alert to get to the bridge faster. Sure. 
I mean, in a manner of speaking, like it was really, really that much of an emergency. I'm sure everybody could be transported. You know, as a lower decker, no, I wouldn't want to be up there. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I do understand why those would be like luxury quarters, though, because those should be senior officers' quarters. Absolutely. Hmm. The, the senior officers' quarters should be near the senior officers' like main offices, which should be near the bridge, which should be near the conference lounge. Yeah. So. It turns out that Rutherford, because he's been ordered along with the rest of the engineering staff to take this sabbatical, that he's going to miss the lottery. So our little team agrees to put his name in the running for it. And uh, Rutherford's off to his mandatory rest. For the second time in the episode, he knocks over the beaker of water with uh, Goopy inside of it. So he gets knocked into the ducks. And uh, Tendi actually is following Floopy through the uh, through the ventilation ducts. I guess they're ventilation ducts. I guess we call them Jeffrey's tubes. Yeah. But they really seem they're in the ceiling. They seem more like. Is there a difference on a Federation starship between ventilation ducts and Jeffrey's tubes? And why are there some Jeffrey's tubes that are at like forty five degree angles? I mean, I've seen them. I I even saw them on Strange New Worlds on the Enterprise. Forty five degree Jeffrey's tubes. You know. Yeah. Though. Those kind of almost seem like they're intended to be like a precursor to Jeffrey's tubes, or but yeah, I, I've often wondered that about the 1701 whether they're even called Jeffrey's tubes, and they don't seem to go all that far. They are they are called Jeffrey's tubes because they're named after Matt Jeffries, who um, created them for Star Trek, those old scientists era. Oh, okay. So Tendy's led by what did you say his name was? I oh, thought his name was Floopy. It's Gloopy or Goop? Go- goopy. Oh, goopy. So, so Murph leads Tendi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's maybe Murph. Through these through these ventilation decks, and she ends up overhearing a Delta shift plan to subvert the vote. Apparently, they're going to charge the Capitol. Yes, and and they're going to they're going to charge the Capitol, and they're going to stop the certification of the vote by affecting this one machine that you can get to at this one time. The only terminal in the whole ship and mm-hmm. the bowels of the ship that you can do this on. So when Tindy learns this plan, she runs back and tells Mariner and Boimler, mm-hmm. and they devise a plan, and Mariner decides that she's going to lead a team to beat Delta ship to their own game. They should all just join the Maquis. The engineering team of the Cerritos is arriving now at the Dove. This is a ship, right? The Dove? Yeah, yeah, it's a ship. Is it an Andorian ship? You know, I couldn't figure that out. That's a good question. I mean, maybe with some Federation influence? I wasn't sure what any of them were. Did you recognize any of them? There was one that vaguely looked like an Olympic class. Sure, yes, I do recall that. And I think that that would make sense to be the Dove, but if it were the Dove, I would expect the people on it to be wearing better, uh, Starfleet yeah. uniforms. Also, I, it made me wonder, like, was Beverly running a, a pleasure ship? Was, <laughs> was Beverly running, like, a relaxation ship? Is well, that what a hospital ship is, to some extent? No, ooh, that's a good question. Maybe because they do have all that space, and, may, and I'm sure that if they're a hospital ship, they would have a spa, right? Like for mental health, right? Yeah, sure. Like after, say, like after the Borg, the whole Borg invasion happens, this ship comes around and like picks up, picks up like the whole whole because that thing was a sphere, right? So that sphere section <laughs> can hold several saucer sections full of people, right? Yeah. So they just take like the the whole contingent of a battle group. And everybody hangs out on the dub for like a week just to get themselves yeah. back together. Well, the the one that was labeled dove was the one that looked like the Battlestar Galactica. 
Oh, I think, yeah, I get what, yeah. So I also thought that that was actually Battlestar Pegasus. Oh, okay. But I do think that I, that's... I don't know my Battlestars from my <laughs> Stargates. I don't know my Moya from my Zora. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I should probably go. <laughs> so the the Triaxian leader of this ship, is she the captain of this ship, uh, Taz? Taz, yes. Um, I'm assuming that she's a doctor. And I'm also assuming she's a doctor, but I'm not really sure about that either. I think she, she's a healer of some sort, for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something different. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So she hands out bands to the engineering staff to, to monitor their tension. And, yeah. you know, we use the same. Is this a, so as universal as like green, yellow, red? Do you think that's you? It's apparently it still stands in the 25th century that that's good, medium, bad. Do you think that's like I, also universal and not just time based? Um, like if you're in the Cleveland Empire, would it be reversed yeah. and it would be confusing because like red is good <laughs> and green is bad? Because green means something spoiled, right? If you're a Klingon. <laughs> like, if your gak is green, it's bad. But if your gak is red, that's good gak. <laughs> right? So red means go, and green means stop. Because green is rot and dishonor. And yellow is cowardice. I know that as some cultures develop, their complexity of describing the colors, red is one of the first colors that is specified. And then you have red and then everything else. And then you distinguish things, and then going on, the last distinction of a color is to add green it, as, a de, uh, as a language develops. What do they call the, so no one, what do you call the color of plants that you grow? I, I think the only distinction would be is ripe and not ripe. So if it's gr still green, it's not ripe. And if it's bright and shiny. Sure, or, or it's green and it's alive or and or brown and dead yeah frankly i don't understand what's happening there are a few different features to the dove that we come across uh one of them being the puppy playpen yep and as taz says for the more deviant among you we also have kittens no judgment we've got mud baths from tellar prime mm -hmm. now we're doing uh what is that episode called it's the Alexander. The next phase is yeah. it? Yeah. No, not the next phase. It's the one with Kestra. Hidden rooms? Because you have that, that telepathic race where everything is open to everybody and everybody reads everybody's part of everybody's mind all the time. Dark shadow? No. Something shadows? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. The episode of TNG where they're bathing in the mud. That's oh, the same episode with yes. Kestra. Yes, it is called Dark Page. Dark page. Nice, nice work. We get Jack and Earl got there together. <laughs> it's the new theme song. So yeah, so dark page is what this what this reminded me of. Strange that not to be too redundant about it, but strange that such a dark episode should bring us such a joyous occasion. <laughs> well, it was a quite a joyous occasion when Alexander and Loxvana were all hanging out in the mud together. The episode itself was rather dark, though. Is what I'm getting at. Because of the yeah. death of the older Delta that we learned about during that episode. Yeah. Alexander might find a little more peace in this next room, which was the uh, the Klingon axe-throwing room. 
<laughs> yes. This is like a, a room where you can just stab everything in sight, apparently. <laughs> Cut it down. He's actually gone way over his time. We're afraid to end his session. What do you think would have happened if they ended his session? I think they would have had to restrain him. Ah. To, to put him somewhere where he could continue, because that's going to bring his anxiety back up, right? If he can't do what he's doing. Mm, good, good point. What they're missing is the space for the engineers because like tinkerers <laughs> and imagineers you know like, like they like to be like that's not work they need broken you know, computers like, exactly like the, it's the thing about they say if you if you do something you love then you'll you won't work a day in your life yeah. so the, they're actually doing their thing they they, they need broken ford pickup trucks <laughs> well what they found is they found a door to uh, fix yeah they did i mean infuriating for freeman but it's actually they're actually doing what they came to yeah, the yeah. do she doesn't get it well the, there was an odd thing about the door that i noticed and it was more it was actually more like a klingon door with a little spinny thing in the middle those <sighs> aren't okay. starfleet or those aren't federation type doors so there's <clears throat> so there's a is is the Klingon style going to become soon part of the basic homogenization of the Federation? That's a being good... as they are adjunct members, and maybe by the thirty second century they might be full. Well, no one's a full member anymore. I forgot. Um, that that's a good question. I mean, I it would seem like yeah, some more Klingon culture and Klingon style might uh, start to work its way into the Federation. Yeah. So maybe this is a maybe this is a piece of that. I wonder if outside of Starfleet or I guess I what I mean to say is I wonder outside of Starfleet how much the cultures have homogenized into one thing. Like Oh, yeah. Because Starfleet has its style which is yeah. apparently not military but mm, I don't know, military. They have a particular style, yeah, <clears throat> which they often change, right? But it's it's homogenized within Starfleet, and I wonder if, like, if you go to the planet Vulcan, can you see pieces? Can you see things that remind you of Andor, or remind oh. you of uh huh Earth? So, like, in I've often noticed how in in Starfleet on Starfleet ships, it's always a uh, cotton tip swap, not a Q-tip, but maybe on Earth they're like, oh, well, it's still just a Q-tip. Wait. Or... They, Run that back. Let's huh? try again. I, I don't understand. I, I, I've often wondered, like, on Starfleet vessels, they're they're generic with as broad a description of the thing. Okay. And whatever the thing is. So, say, okay. you go to the replicator and you would order a cola and not... Okay. A Coke or a Pepsi. Okay. Okay. But maybe part of the homogenization on oh. Earth, you would order a specific type of Coke or cola. Like oh, Coke. So does it matter? Like, can't you order a Coke from Ten Forward? From the replicator in Ten Forward? Well, since they're Why not... don't you walk over there and check real quick? Oh, oh you're right. Um, give me a second. Uh -huh. It seemed to not quite understand at first. 
So he gave you nothing? Oh, what did it? That's clearly a glass in your hand. <laughs> what does it taste like? Generic cola? Ew, use the straw. You don't know. You know what that glass is made of. You should use the straw. The, the straw is made out of the same thing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we? Maybe we should move on. Uh, okay. But yeah, they 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 totally just need a room of broken computers and broken down. Yes. So this is what this is what they found. They they have the door and they fixed the door. Yeah. So my question now is, who owns this ship? And what is the purpose behind its service to Starfleet? Like, because we we don't pay for the services, right? Yeah, I wasn't under the impression that anything was paid for although right. freeman did have to arrange for things how did she arrange for those just make sure the time was available and the space was they could accommodate them one would assume so there was rooms in the hotel one would assume i was under the impression that this was a ship that was maybe specifically built by but if not completely operated by starfleet medical i i i get that as an idea as well are we leaning down the path of when there's mental health related stuff you can change your uniform a la deanna troy is that where we're headed perhaps deanna troy was okay because that was that's okay in that core yeah because they want you to be as cool cool and relaxed and chill and uniforms might be a trigger to some people huh. and it's also not necessarily exclusive to starfleet it could also be for non-Starfleet personnel. Oh, sure, just any Federation personnel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this makes sense. So so you think this ship is, so I would imagine this ship is, is owned and operated by the Federation at large as opposed to Starfleet. Perhaps, yeah. I wonder if they have Starfleet people working on the ship to keep it running. That yeah, most likely. I mean, you don't uh, cruise liners usually have like oh sure, like retired. Yeah, they have like retired officers. Okay, so that's like a it's like a, a future job that Picard for some reason turned down. <laughs> Perhaps yeah, he could have been a cruise liner captain. I've always thought of the Enterprise D as being great for a cruise ship. Like if we had Starfleet ships that you could take like you, that would just you turn them into cruise ships right like the enterprise d would be a mm -hmm. great cruise ship i mean it's a great i mean it's a, a perfect little town too only about a thousand people and... so they had a thousand people aboard right but for that space they had yeah they could have had well over they could have had five thousand people and still been comfortable all the halls seem pretty sparse you only encounter maybe one maybe two people when you're walking down any sure. hall, hallway scene yeah you should always see somebody. It should be full all all times, because everyone should be like clustered together, right? Hmm. Because there's if there's because like you wouldn't have a science lab that's you know it's gonna take you know half an hour to get to from yeah its next related that's lab, true. right? So all the yeah. working space is probably like clustered together, which is something that you know yeah. you can you can look up the general ship specs for the Enterprise D and find out. But this show is about lower decks, and the it lower is. decks team is actually showing us the ship specs on little pads <laughs> and showing us how to get through the nacelles into that lower engineering section which has always been a quandary for me like how do you get from one part to the other this is my first time really i believe seeing like a good ship specs like a like an l cars sort of from the side especially one that shows me a path from the saucer section to that weird oh engineering the, section. the, the uh, boy miller's path on the pad Yes. 
Oh, okay, yeah. I've had uh, multiple conversations about how in the world can you access that back part. And now we know apparently you can walk through the nacelles. I mean, I never considered that people would walk inside of nacelles, but I... I guess I guess that makes sense. Like, it, how would I not have thought of that before? Yeah, it couldn't possibly be self-contained units. They don't have spares. <laughs> well, no. Um, and there's an Enterprise. There's an episode of Enterprise where they actually have to take shelter to get through a storm in the nacelles. I do remember that. I I was thinking more of like the later. I feel like there is a heavy design difference between the old scientists mm-hmm. and earlier era ships and yeah. the you know next gen ships yeah and i've always felt that the next gen ships were less serviceable oh like you can't really get in there and get to stuff because there's so much like miniaturization well and more vast amounts of energy that were in those original ones so like if you break if you open up this one thing you could shock everybody on the ship whereas like you don't really have that well i guess if the warp core is the warp core one one uh, generation gap bridge ship is the a birth class. It is, and that is a little bit more of the style of those old scientists, and that has, you know, the whole bottom canoe boat section that is, I guess that's the engineering hall. I think that would make sense. Detached from the saucer, except through the pylons, the pylons that connect. So that's another part of it. I don't know that I ever considered that you would walk inside the pylons before. Like, I imagined that the part of the Enterprise D that was after, like, the flat part. You know, like, the flat part on the back. Like, I just didn't think you could walk around inside there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Just before the, it curves up and goes, makes a a 90 degree angle to go up into the nacelles yes that yes or the part the same part you know that merges back into the ship and then it opens up into the engineering section mm-hmm. like widens into the engineering section. so i thought that flat part you know like if you go from end from back edge of pylon to back edge of pylon that yeah. you can't you have to go outside to get there well right? um i think that's how i thought of the warp nacelles was that you would have to do eva to get to the nacelles. Now, the the one thing about... I mean, the only thing that's in that other section of the Cerritos, isn't it mostly just the deflector dish? Well, I imagine there's a whole sensor pellet. Uh, okay. It should all be like equipment, yeah. Yeah. My point is, is, you can generally access all those sensors remotely. The only reason you need to go there is if you needed to do modifications or repairs or changes to anything uh, that's there. So... Yeah, or if you need to assign crew quarters, apparently. <laughs> That's got to be part of Cerritos Bingo. Go and hack the hack the crew hack the uh, the quarters assignment system. But it occurs to me that to get to that section of the ship, you'd already need to be doing powering down of the warp core, maybe, and obviously the the sensor array. Because well, apparently not. Or not the sensor, but the uh, uh, the deflector dish. You can avoid going through the deflector dish if you really want to avoid going through the deflector dish. But you know what? Let's not rush and get there. <laughs> no, that didn't look fun. The team finds their way using this map, having to pass through uh, the holodeck, which is decked out in the 1920s with 
Shaxx and Tiana busting in to play the villains of, yeah. the, of the episode, The Big Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, they're doing their own Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. They really are. They're doing more like a Mickey and Mallory Knox. Shaxx and Tiana bust into the turbo lift saying, hey, you guys want to do Star Trek The Next Generation's episode, The Big Goodbye? If you wanted to bring it to a DS9 episode, Okay, we could do that. There was an episode where Kira and Cisco and somebody else, there was a transporter accident and they accidentally got transported into the holodeck and recreated. Hey, what was the episode Tinner Tinker Dr. Spy? What was that about? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. Um, What was Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite? Is that the ball game one? I'm pretty sure that's the baseball one. It, it might have been that Dr. Spy one, because Bashir was, was definitely playing a James Bond-esque kind of spy. 007, sure. So, Tiana has, is really into this. I, first of all, the pairing of Shaxx and Tiana, I was a little bit surprised by this. Yeah. Were, well, were you... they kind of were hitting at it in season two. Yeah, I don't think I expected it to be... Which one do you think is Bonnie, and which one do you think is Clyde? Well, I think that one of them is Diane. Oh. So, there's that. Uh, it makes sense to me that uh, Shax is the one asking for more intimacy. Mm -hmm. Although, like, so Cations, it, it does make sense to me that Cations would be very into, like, physical without much emotional. Mm. Okay. Right? And it also makes sense to me that a Bajoran would need uh, some sort of spiritual connection. Oh, right, like right. a deep That's... intimacy. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, so like, this is cats have their their scent glands right on their forehead there, and they will uh -huh. rub up on you like crazy. Yeah. Uh huh. That don't mean they love you. <laughs> yeah, and all physical and get touch me all <laughs> right. over and. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Bajorans want to like want to kneel with you and pray. Yeah, yeah. You know, they want to feel your pot. Okay, yeah, that makes total sense. The lower deck crew does find a way out of the uh, the holodeck without, you know, alerting Tiana and Shax to their to their being there. But uh... just as they're heading out, Tindy overhears Tiana offering to Shax to learn about how she lost her tail. Yes, on the Algonquin, right? I think she's <laughs> yeah the the USS Algonquin, or assuming it's the USS Algonquin. We also get a good shot of what is left of her tail, and from my estimates, about, for our metric friends, 30 centimeters, but about 12 inches. About a foot. Yes. How much tail do you think a Cation that seems largely bobcat should have? You know, it's my guess that maybe about a foot. <laughs> so do you think that she is making up this story to generate a false intimacy between herself and Shax? Mm, possibly. I hope one day to find out. I definitely look forward to it. So we come back to our to our other three quarters of the Lower Decks crew in a pylon, just having a chat about the new quarters. And uh, as we're still trying to find our way through Boimler's apparently long cut that he's found, uh, we come into hydroponics, which is kind of overdrawn. It looks more like a bog or a swamp. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as we're entering, there's a, uh, it's like a skeleton on the ground, right? Yeah, I noticed that skeleton, yeah. but I couldn't figure out who it might be. 
It's a it's a it's a dupler. Okay. You remember the the guy who came yeah. aboard the ship and he kept bloop, 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 like freaking out and freaking out and like yeah he would duplicate every time. Well, apparently they left one behind. Oh, I do that's... see the the flary collar there. <laughs> I yeah, okay. It's a good touch of continuity, right? Yeah. I was a little bit. I felt a little. Um, I felt a little stung when they when they asked. What kind of weirdo signs up for a job in outer space just to garden? Because I, I, me, Jack Dorino, that's that's who would do it. It sounds like an awesome job. Yeah. Well, and it's definitely a good place to relax. I mean, they pan up to Kayshawn, and he's up there just trimming away on his flowers. Yeah, he should be paying more attention to his Defren route because they did say it's a Tamarian Defren route, so it's definitely his fault that that Defren route is down there. Thankfully, the Orions are immune, but Mariner starts going all Disney, <laughs> and Boimler starts to see everything looking like it's going to a big maze, and they don't know how they're going to escape. I think it is a big maze. Like, literally, when we look at the specs that he makes, it kind of looks like a big maze. Yeah. Well, I just made a connection with what he meant by chasing rabbits. He's talking about the white rabbit. Yeah. Do you know, a lot of times, you know, I've heard from people, a lot of times that when people have psychedelic experiences, uh-huh. it's really their subconscious coming to the surface. Mm. And, like, it's an expression of what is already in their head expressing itself in a dreamlike way into their conscious mind. Okay. I've never had a psychedelic experience. Apparently Mariner, or yeah, Mariner needs more hugs because her arms just totally wrap around her. Yes. She's in an egg. She feels trapped. Uh, yeah. She but she's also, egg. but she's also warm and comfortable and snuggled. Right. But Ooh. she's still in an egg. She hasn't quite hatched yet. Oh. And she doesn't want to hatch. She feels safe. Stuck inside that egg and warm and smothered and comfortable, right? Wow. Okay. (laughs) She also sees because remember, we're these are what people people are seeing things, not turning into things. So Boimler doesn't turn into a sea urchin. That's how Mariner sees him. Hmm. Is all pointy and standoffish. Apparently. Oh. And Boimler sees her as like a Disney princess. That could be a problem. I I Down don't think road. it is. I don't I don't think it will be a problem. Okay. I feel confirmed in this analysis when Mariner looks over and Tindy is a butterfly. Mm-hmm. She's a social butterfly. <laughs> she is. Oh <laughs> right. Okay. She's flitting around. Yeah. But she also trusts her. Yeah, she's yeah. And, she, and she's gonna follow. Like, she comes around and everything's like, "Hey, it's, it's all sunny," and you know, like, "Come on, let's go." Mm-hmm. She's um, she's definitely optimistic to the extreme. Yeah, yeah. When they when they come out, when they come out, she, she's optimistic because she knows it's gonna turn out well. It may be difficult to go through, right? Mm-hmm. So she does like go through the hard thing and she kicks everybody out, you yeah. know, roughly, and gets everybody in the hallway. <laughs> and then when they come out into the hallway. Yeah. She apologizes to Mariner for making her hatch. Ooh. I thought it was kind of odd and cool how when she her pupils de dilate, they go down one at a time. The first the right one and then the left one. And I I would always I always thought my irises were always kind of in sync with each other. I thought they would go down at the same time. 
So is one of them controlled by your right brain and one controlled by your left brain? I suppose. Just out of curiosity. We, we come back to Captain Freeman, who's uh, relaxing in a Tellarite mud bath. Mm. And her team is making a Zen garden of circuitry mm-hmm. <laughs> to define the the internal workings of the Cerritos and improve them in their Zen gardens. So <laughs> going back to, like, that's, that's actually probably very calming for them. Yeah. I've also experienced that, like, Sometimes when people who are into that kind of thing and working like, you know, intricate stuff yeah. are working intricate stuff, their, their, like their feedback, their like bio, bioelectric stuff could show that they're stressed, but they don't feel that stress at all. Oh, okay. Like mentally or emotionally, uh-huh. but they're, it's going to come back as like they're, they're have an elevated heart rate, mm-hmm. you know, while they're just sitting there, you know, they'll start to sweat, but they're actually just enjoying themselves. So, like, like a, adrenaline junkies? Oh, maybe, perhaps. Could be a little bit of that. So, like, stress junkies, maybe. Is that a thing? Sure. Abs- yes, workaholics. You know, it reminds me of uh, an encounter between Kirk and uh, Scotty. And, you know, Kirk mentioning that Scotty's bringing... Uh, tech manuals on vacation. He's like, you're on vacation, mm-hmm. dude. He's like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This has been the thing about engineers from the start. Apparently. Like when Jordy goes on vacation, he goes on vacation to engineering conferences to go meet Leah Brahms and be horribly <laughs> embarrassed. Yeah. Go, go to a, a, a tech con or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, you and I could go to a Star Trek. <laughs> 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 the uh, the shortcut that Boimler has taken is sort of a long cut because of all these retrofits and the way that they've you know changed the uh, the configuration of the Cerritos over time. When they first opened the hatch into that big space, it took me a moment to like try to figure out where they were, but I recognize yeah. I also recognized it instantly. But I think my but my brain was like they can't be in the can't be in the deflector it was, it was i gave me like <laughs> cognitive dissonance because i knew where they were but they could be where they were uh-huh well and that's where boimler mentions a lot of this stuff isn't even labeled why would it be labeled going back to what you said about most of it all being like most of it being remote controlled why would you need to put labels on it no one's ever going to see that if you get half assimilated by the board you need to install a new deflector dish <laughs> No, that's you. Those hatches are on the outside. Oh, okay. Like, I never considered it, but I guess that you would, there is a space inside of there. I don't know why yeah. there's a space inside. Like, why would there be a space inside of there? Well, Tindy does make a comment that is kind of uh, what the audience is also thinking or saying about being the, we're seeing parts of the ship that we've never seen before. This is, this is true. Yeah. I was surprised that there was a low gravity in there but i was not surprised and i was delighted when they had when boimler's like hey let's play ender's game in here <laughs> and then tendy's like yeah. hey which way's the enemy's gate and then mariner goes down it, it brought me back to uh one of the early episodes of enterprise when meriwether is in what he calls the sweet spot of the ship oh yeah travis mayweather and yeah. he it was like a floaty space yeah where like gravity on one half of the room was towards that end of the fl- quote yes. floor. He was sitting upside down when Hoshi came in there. Uh, trip. Was it trip? Yeah, Hoshi would have freaked him running the other way at that point. 
in the show. Would she? Um, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, I guess if it was earlier, or or maybe even just thrown up in the middle of floating. It sort of reminds me of the time that Picard had his little um, like electronic keyboard. Oh. Wait. Wait, who was that? Was it Picard that had a little electric keyboard that he was playing in the middle of the ship and it like echoed everywhere? I know what you're talking about. And he, there was maybe some, oh, I know what it was. His date. Neela Darren. It was, was it Neela? It was Neela Darren, wasn't it? The one that he sent down to die in, on the planet. And then she came back not dead. And he was like, oh, we can't be orphans anymore. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't remember, but I know that she had a keyboard. And he yeah. brought his Resic and flute. Ah, uh, yes, that is that is actually the episode I'm thinking of. Okay, uh, but I'm sure they're still good, good girlfriends. They just can't like go out and stuff anymore. Yeah, that would be an interesting one to have come back into uh, Picard. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Shax brings up a. What would you call it? Just a group of rocks? Meteoroids? I would call it an asteroid cluster. Okay. <laughs> so there's an asteroid cluster on, you know, uh, coming up, and Shax is like, oh, let's blow them all out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Is that? And then Ransom's like, uh, Holmes, what? <laughs> That's what the deflection dish is for. Because literally that that is and like that, yeah that's that's what it's for that's yeah literally what it's for I don't see what's wrong with I mean except for like if you hit them if you hit the asteroids like you can shatter them into a bunch of smaller pieces that you have to then asteroid again but yeah, yeah. you know and and maybe it'll be good for Shax's target practice there you go to, you know target practice on some asteroids the deflector's just like the deflector okay the deflector does use a lot of energy mm, oh doesn't it. Yeah. I've always thought of the deflector as using a lot of energy, and I think that it would use a lot more energy than a phaser. Okay. I think Shax was right here. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> because it was ransom order, ransom's order to use the deflector dish. Yeah, I thought that I always figured the deflector dish was kind of automated. Oh, it is. Like so, like when you're at warp, it's automated. Mm, okay. But when you're not warping, it doesn't need to do its main goal, which is pushing junk away from you yeah i think i don't think they're at warp they're just yeah rolling around okay i got confused for a moment here because i thought Shax was in the holodeck and i thought maybe there was a continuity error or is no man it's been a while it's been a long time since then is it has it been that long yeah yeah it's been at least a good 20 minutes since then oh okay yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they're still yeah. freaking out and Yeah, like we had the whole they had they went through a whole like we don't know how long the we don't know how long Mariner and Boimler and Junk were tripping. Like we're not mm. seeing a one to one review of time. Like they've done oh, the okay. whole they there's been a lot that's happened okay. since since we saw them in the holodeck. It does beg the question of what Kayshawn's doing though. <laughs> <laughs> like like is he still in hydroponics messing with some flowers? Who knows? So, uh, so, so we do turn on the deflector as ransom orders, and then we end up with spinning Boimler <laughs> in the uh, in the centrif in the centrifuge. Is it centrifugal? Is it centrifugal? Oops, wait, centrifugal force or centripetal force? Which one is it? It's centrifugal force. What would be centripetal force? I don't know. How do you know this is not it then? Um. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, we, <laughs> so we gather up a, a big long rope and we pull Boimler yeah. in, which it, allows our young uh, female stars to get into their brawn panties as we <laughs> normally do in 
next generation Star Treks with the men fully clothed. Yeah, they have to tie their uniforms together to make the rope. Sure. That makes sense. <laughs> well, and I I mean, it was interesting how freely and easily that they're just comfortable with doing this to do the thing that they need to do to save their friend. Uh, they could have turned off the deflector. That might have taken to... I mean, they could have disabled it, I'm uh... sure. They're engine. Well, they're not engineers. <laughs> They're lower yeah, they're not. I wonder if this thing would make a good uh, uh, fair ride. You mean the time tunnel? Is what this is? Uh, sure. Where it starts spinning and the floor drops out from underneath you. Yeah, or a UFO or whatever they want to call floors. it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. At King's Dominion, they called it the time tunnel. Oh, Paramount's right. King's Dominion. I should add. Sponsored by Paramount. No, we're not sponsored by Paramount. Just kidding. So back on the Dove. Somehow the uh, the engineering team has agreed to sit for pedicures. Yes, mani pedis. It's it's pretty it's pretty quick. Well, not mani pedis mm. because <laughs> Rutherford is not about to get get that mani manicure done when the nail technician could look close enough and see that they've got cucumbers hidden underneath their bands. <laughs> yeah. Which is again, they've done they've done a little bit of engineering. Yeah. So they're trying they're trying to engineer the captain in position into position of being okay. Mm-hmm. They keep trying to do everything they can because the the goal is not for them to relax. The goal is for her to relax. Like that's what they they just want her to chill the hell out. Like they were good. <laughs> Yeah, they just want her to calm the hell down, and they want her to like. And like, it's there's a there's a whole thing that's happening in this episode that took me maybe the fourth time through to realize like, oh, there is like a whole PTSD thing, Captain Freeman is working through during this episode, because she is doing a lot. Like she's doing like, why is she so adamant about them? Oh, that's a good. She just went through it. She just experienced a trauma. Mm Hmm. And was responsible for, like, the near destruction of her ship. So maybe she's avoiding her trauma and reflecting it back onto them. That's that's what I'm saying. She's focusing so hard on them and, like, driving everybody nuts. Okay. I never thought about it that way. Which is why suddenly she feels attacked because other people are not relaxing. Like, what? <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, no, lady, you are, you are, you are dumping your trauma on all of us she's like you're not giving me any respect and she's flipping out you know so her band goes all red yeah and which makes the the triaxing now like with all of the antics the engineering crew has been doing over the course of this episode the and 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 even with like you know them doing the door and them you know making circuits in the zen garden and them you know even with the cucumbers like there's nothing i think this is kind of what Taz expects Right, but when Freeman yeah. starts to flip out, that's when she's like, "Oh, we have a thing going on here," and especially when she finds out that there's this PTSD going on with Freeman. Mm, yeah, because the problem is like when you go to a doctor, if the doctor doesn't know all of the things leading, you know, all of the things that you know have an effect on what brought you to this to this point. Yeah then they're not going to be able to diagnose and treat you properly. Yeah, yep. And so not mentioning that, oh, I was recently taken over by an alien race and nearly caused the death of my crew, potentially killing some people. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know if we address that. So it seems like uh, Taz, Taz? Taz? Taz. 
it was kept in the dark about what was going on with the captain and you know she might be thinking that the captain's just there to tag along to make sure her crew do the thing that she wants them to do and she's not the real patient oh yeah she she is the real patient yeah that's the thing because they were they were already they were they were fine yeah the problem from the start of the episode was her because they had already been working hard mm -hmm. and then she carelessly did the well they say the, the, from their perspective she carelessly did this thing that caused them all to have to work even more oh. and then she put herself through the ringer to cause them even more stress that connects it back to the beginning of the episode where she kind of went off about how no it wasn't me that caused this problem it was uh -huh. Manuki Manuki yes so maybe a little bit of like you know Picard saying well that was Lakitos that wasn't me but he never did that never did what said that was Lakitos that wasn't me yeah he he owned up Picard owned up to what he did mm, as Lakitos I beg to differ when Cisco had that conversation with him he did not apologize oh he didn't address it like when Cisco brought it up he barely said he didn't he didn't respond to anything Cisco said. Mm. He just moved when he, when Cisco Cisco basically stood there and accused him, and he was he just like buttoned it up and moved on with with you know, uh, duty and you know yeah. and his purpose in being there to do the orders. And oh. Are you going to take the station or not? He wasn't like, yeah, man, yeah, that did happen, man, and I like I wish I could have controlled it and I wish I could have stopped it, but I couldn't. I'm so sorry about you. He, none of that shit happened. You're right. That's so what they're paralleling. Picard was like, anyway, do you want to do? Let's do a thing. So this is so Carol's. We're actually seeing in Freeman something that we didn't have the opportunity to see with Picard mm -hmm. was him actually working through the trauma. All he did was like roll around with his brother in the fucking mud, <laughs> and that was it. Yep. Like that's it <laughs> like he didn't have like i expected honestly honestly when this when that part came out i honestly expected to see multiple continuing episodes where we featured troy more because she'd be having more conversations with picard because he You're just right. this thing i mean they and i would expect to be seeing crusher more because crusher's consulting with troy like when they had the one there was i remember there was a time when they like worked they wanted to remove him from command mm -hmm. he was actually possessed at the time and i thought that the teamwork that the rest of them showed around him, uh -huh. like working around him, was awesome. And I would have loved to see like more of that and exploring more of his character by exploring their characters and their mm. limitations by his, you know? I was always kind of uh, perplexed as to why they didn't do more with that uh, after Brothers. So maybe they'll explore that a little bit more with uh, Freeman now. Family. You're talking about family. Was it right? family? I thought it was called yeah. Brothers. No, Brothers is the one where Worf, oh, that's uh, right. Jeremy Astor dies. Jeremy Astor's mother dies, and Worf becomes his brother. Yeah. Okay. I, I I wish that they explored that more too. I wonder where Jeremy Astor is today. <laughs> I mean, in the Picard. No, like really, like yeah. in the Picard era, is he Klingon? Like, where did he go? Does he know Alexander? Uh huh. Is he Alexander's uncle? <laughs> because he's a son of Moog, right? And Alexander's a son of Worf. Uh -oh. So that means that Jeremy Astor is brother to Kern, correct? Oh, I never thought about that way. Atraxian captain. 
and Billups realized that what we need to do is figure out how to fix Freeman mm-hmm. because this is this is the issue. So they finally come to the crux of it, and as as they do that, as they come to the crux of their situation, mm-hmm. the lower decks crew finds their way to the panel. Yes. Well, to just outside, but they find their way to the hatchway that opens for 10 seconds at this particular time every day that's going to allow them <laughs> access to the panel. So that provides us a, a place to sit and have a little palaver. Yeah. I, I've, I've used cum before. <laughs> and it kind of works if you commit. Okay. But you have to commit. And like, you can't ever let it up. Oh. Because once you let it up, then it feels stupid to revert to it. Yeah. Well, I kind of tried to find other creative ways to do it because uh-huh. I would always want to be myself. So I'm kind of in Tindy's boat in that. I'd be like, you know, just I'd very plus I'd also vary it up too. What 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 do you actually use? Well, what let me say what would you because I guess you don't leave your door unlocked. I <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so kind of a moot point. Um, maybe just enter or uh, enter I I would whatever casually came to me at that time it would probably depend on my mood a little bit too oh yeah what (laughs) (laughs) go away (laughs) nobody home (laughs) nobody here but us chickens it's it's fun to to use come come Come. I think I Picard, Picard uses that too. They mentioned Riker, but and I guess Boimler's had more interactions with Riker than Riker. Picard. Riker doesn't mean the same thing <laughs> when he says it. Oh, is he talking to Troy? He's talking to the chair on the other side of Picard's desk. Picard says, "Come," and Riker comes and steps over the chair from the mini. <laughs> As we're discussing how to invite people into your domicile, the Delta Shift team finds them. You know, I learned in this scene that we're the Beta Shift. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Is there no Alpha Shift? Lower Deckers? Or... Have we just not been introduced to them yet? They Like, because these guys never serve on the bridge, right? Why are they Beta Shift? Aren't they... Aren't they aren't they on duty at the same time as Freeman is my question. I would assume that Freeman is alpha shift. Oh. And Ransom would be beta shift. Right, for the bridge, for manning the bridge. Yeah. And then, like, maybe the, you know, for the Enterprise D, it would be, you know, data on the... Delta shift. Sure. Huh. For Jellico, it would be Barkley on like the Zeta shift because apparently there's going to be that many shifts that Barkley's going to need to take the bridge as well. <laughs> well, I think they have a rotating night shift, giving the opportunity for lower deckers or medium deckers to uh, gain some command experience when things are expected to kind of be less chaotic. Sure, in like a little bit of a downtime. Yeah. Although, I mean, as soon as things pick up, they always call the captain to the bridge. So, fair enough. In the times when Freeman and Ransom and Mariner are all on the bridge doing things, that could still just be beta shift. And oh, sure, absolutely. They they called her 
you know, the activity to her attention. These Delta shifters are definitely supposed to be mirror sort of images of our people, right? Yeah, I uh, paused like, for a second. And yeah, their designs are yeah. very similar, except for maybe some palette swaps. Right. Obviously, Boimler's the only one with purple hair. Um, so the his his opposite is just going to have darker hair and a, like olive color or light pink. So there's like this pink girl. There's this uh, uh, olive guy. And then there's uh, a white girl. Yeah. And then on our side, you have the, the white guy, mm -hmm. the black girl, and the green girl. Mm -hmm. The two blue shirts match each other. Mm -hmm. The two yeah. males match each other. And then that yeah. just leaves. Exactly. So it's just like the same characters in a different universe. Yeah, that's which is probably why they hate each other so much because they're so similar. Yeah, yeah, this often often happens. I hear the uh, the the Delta team convinces the well for apparently long enough convinces the Beta shifters that they're gonna all stick together. Psych. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I think would have been. I did think that would have been a good idea. It didn't occur to me until much later, but it seemed like that would have been a good idea. Yeah, they could have just all put their name in. Fair way to do it. Sure. No, but I mean, it would still be cheating. Don't forget. Oh, well. But <laughs> it's a more fair cheating. Like I don't know. This is so. This is a case of the beta shifters expecting there to be honor among thieves. Like you guys Ooh. are there to do some dishonest shit, and you're expecting uh -huh. them to not do some like not to do it to you. Yeah. Like you, well, maybe I you mean, shouldn't have done it. Tindy was interested in exploring a morally ambiguous gray area. And you would think that Tendi wouldn't be okay with that because she's always trying to like be not seen as a, as an Orion, right? So you think that she would be the most on the straight and narrow? Uh, oh, right. Okay. She's very concerned about like how she looks to other people. Uh huh. Okay. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. We uh, during the scene we also hear the churro incident. Yeah, yeah, I sure Olivia, right? <laughs> I was that the name they gave gave it? people called her Chur Olivia. When they were telling the story, all I could think of was Riker running through the corridors like a caveman. Oh right, is that, what, is that where they were heading? Oh, I, that's that's a good question. Because I was trying to rack my brain, I couldn't remember Ransom doing this. No, I don't think it was in the show. I, I don't. Oh, okay. So this was hap something that happened off screen. Yes. Ah. Or or something that happened on something that we could believe would have happened on this ship because we saw it happen already on the Enterprise D. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So sure, it's a hundred percent believable. This happens a lot these days with Star Trek, where I'm like, that is totally off the. Oh wait, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> what I haven't seen before is anybody like losing their mind out of anger oh, while inside yeah. of a puppy pen. Yeah. You know what? That puppy in the wheelchair was just so cute. I almost went into a diabetic coma. I went into a diabetic coma and Martha said, Keep on puppies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, not you, little guys. Keep on puppies. Oh, that part. Yeah. Yeah. That's my new, that's my new favorite phrase is keep on puppies. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, not you, little guys. Keep on puppies. Yeah. This is the part where Taz is, hollers at her assistant. In 
increase puppy levels. And the puppy man says, That's all we've got. We haven't tossed in a couple of bunnies. Since they have no effect. The yeah. engineering team of the Cerritos, who actually would be the people to know Freeman best. Oh, I think right. they've spent a lot of time around her and mm -hmm. experienced her and they would know the things that bother her and the things that don't and they bring in this machine that they've engineered mm -hmm. which is uh specifically i i don't know if it's specifically a freeman stress reliever or if it's like a responsive stress reliever uh -huh. that will do it for everybody it seems as we'll we'll see later that maybe it's the latter maybe it's a machine that creates the skin of evil but not as evil because it's just stress and not evil. Oh, so like what comes out of it is just like this black tar that they leave behind on planets. Yeah, the, it just sucks it out of you. But this kind of explains like this is just a thing. Like this is just a thing. Like the, the engineers have to come in and they have to explain to her. Like, Listen, they finally explained to her this is how we relax. Like this is the most relaxing thing for us. And the fact that we actually solve this problem and we know we solve this problem, once you prove to us that we've solved this problem, yeah. I just letting us solve your problem then this will be the most relaxing thing ever yeah let us tech the tech the tech the tech tech that's the one and then <laughs> she agrees and it works and then the dove captain who <laughs> has somehow picked up smoking now uh, yeah well she she's so stressed out about stressing out over freeman that she just reverts yeah. back to her bad habits it's like it jumped from her from one to another. I feel like this can happen sometimes, though. I feel like the bad vibes, like, wherever you are, can jump from person to person. Yeah. And, like, the person who brought them in might walk out, like, la dee da And then you're left there, like, resin frezin. As we're returning to the Cerritos, after the Delta team has absconded, apparently, with, with the way to the panel, mm -hmm. they left... Remember they went through that... Through that they go through they went through they didn't go through the same bog no they, they didn't through. they got some, but they, they went got through, wet somewhere else oh they got soaked by a manuki aqueduct oh that's okay right. oh that's right so so their their version of mariner has left this puddle that's draining down into a panel so you know boimler bull boimler jumps in and finds that they have actually now bypassed delta team mm -hmm. and they're in the space where they can uh they can they can uh, they can affect the outcome of the the new room lottery but boimler sadly realizes that this says there aren't four rooms on deck one it's one room on deck yeah. four. so they would have to separate and they don't want to separate because they're yeah. idiots because they have you seen <laughs> a, a senior crew quarters on on like i don't know a federation ship that has a hull like that like they're big yeah, yeah. like you could definitely fit at least three people in there comfortably yeah especially like Picard's quarters. That's easily a dwelling for a family of four. Well, that's Picard's quarters, though. Like, yeah. I'm thinking, like, maybe along the lines of, like, a Barclays quarter, or, like, Troy's office, <laughs> I think is, like, a normal set of quarters. Or oh, Troy's quarters. How about Kalar's, uh, Kalar's quarters when she was staying as a guest? I think a guest oh, quarters yeah. is pretty okay. good for a standard crew quarters. Yeah. It's, like, you know, a couple rooms. Yeah. And then Boimler can sleep in the bathroom. <laughs> I gave Bo Boimler a new uh, nickname. It is. Boldler. 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 Let's workshop it. <laughs> so they, we, we've devised that we're going to give this room away to the Delta ship. Mm -hmm. Specifically to ruin their friendship because I guess somehow they're going to 
break up because they don't stay in the same place or something? Because it doesn't occur to them just to share the room because they're assuming that one person would get the room and that's it. Yeah, this, of course, was the solution that Delta comes up with, Mm -hmm. which they have to explain, which the beta ship, of course, has to explain to Rutherford. Yeah, unfortunately, he comes back just at at the wrong moment to find out that they all lost the room. He's like, hey, why didn't you guys rub that room for me? I mean, not only did they lose it, they gave it away. And he was very disappointed. And he actually looks like he kind of starts to stress again at this point. Yeah, that definitely. Because he counted on his people and they didn't do what he needed them to do. Yeah, he was totally like, t- or Tindy's totally like, yeah, but we thought one all for one and one for all. And he's like, that totally would have been the thing. The Delta, Delta won one for all, though. Yeah. Which is just great for them. Unfortunately, um, yeah, and it turns out this rumor about true Olivia is true. Yeah, Ransom yes. sneaks in and sneakily orders his churros. Computer, thirty-five churros in an unmarked paper bag. Would you stay with three of your friends in uh, quarters on the Enterprise, like a, a regular, like off, like? You know, not cap, not the captain's quarters. Maybe like Beverly's quarters. I feel like any of the quarters, most of the quarters that we would have seen. Oh, here's the one, O'Brien's quarters. No, because those would have been bigger because of the family. Yep. I feel like a lot of people that we saw would have naturally had larger quarters. Like I feel Data probably had the smallest set of quarters. Yeah, Data and Worf had really small quarters. But Worf would want it that way, and Data wouldn't need any more. Yeah. Um, oh, so are those? Do you think those are like standard crew quarters? Uh I I think for a lieutenant, yes. Do you think Worf moved when he had Alexander with him? You know, there's people in my building that have their grandson living with them, and it's plenty of room for them to just have a space about the size of Worf Worf's quarters. I got you. This is this is the Enterprise D that we're talking about. If it's four hundred years in the future, and I am I've always imagined that we have different sizes of quarters available mm-hmm. for people. Like some people like a smaller space, and some people like don't necessarily need to have a kitchen because they never cook. They're always going to go to the lounge. Or some people like you know they want a big they 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 want a big extravagant kitchen. You know, like some people, if you have if you get in a relationship with somebody and you guys get married on the ship, does one of you lose your quarters? Do you both get a new set of quarters that's bigger? You both move in. Oh, I I don't know how that works. That seems to be like it would make logical sense. I think that I think that in the future we would consider a lot more things like that. Like I think that you wouldn't move into, especially if there's no if there's no like money attached to the different size of domicile yeah you would probably have you'd be able to move like you wouldn't move in together you would both move into a larger space yeah um i i think they would probably allocate spaces based on partially on rank and number of occupants and size of occupants i think sure absolutely i yeah i guess rank would have to be first because i'm sure the captain has his his quarters quarters yeah I'm betting who has two sets of quarters. Oh, why would he have two? Sets he of does. Quarters? Oh, he does have two sets of quarters. He does, because there's a bed in the ready room. Yeah, but that's more of a cot. Sure, but it's a place for him to sleep, and it has a desk, and it has a replicator. Like that's 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 an efficiency. He has an efficiency off the. Okay. <laughs> he has an efficiency attached to the bridge of the Enterprise. Yep. 
<laughs> with a beautiful view. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does he also have uh, separate quarters on his uh, yacht? One would imagine there's got to be some sort of quarters down there in in the captain's yacht. The captain's yacht is pretty big, I think. Yeah. So he has three separate styles of apartment on the Enterprise. <laughs> and he's hanging out in in the in the Jeffrey's tubes with strange women. <laughs> he's got he's got his penthouse condo like they were talking about, like Tindy called it on the deck one or two or sure. three or whatever. Well, that's well the sure, yes. I I think it's I feel like so on the Enterprise D, I am sure that there are no living quarters. Oh, there are there is a living quarters on deck one because there's the ready room. That's definitely his little efficiency. <laughs> that room, that room smells, dude. Does that it? Room sm- like, as soon as you walk in there, all you smell is Picard. Because <laughs> he's always, like, just sitting in there by himself. Is there a shower in there? Does oh. he have to walk across the bridge to get to the bathroom? <laughs> Does he have his own bathroom in there? Captain's mess? Like, or, no, Captain's where's the closest? Head? Where's the closest shower? Ooh. Do you think from the bridge of the Enterprise? Well, if you're using a sonic shower, do you even really need a, an actual booth, or can you just disrobe and have the computer blast you with sonics, or however that works? I mean, where does the dirt go, though? Into the Would ear? there just be a pile of dirt on the ground? Yeah, but then the computer would just de-replicate that and turn it into material for... But this is not the 32nd century. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the computer... Supposedly, the ship can clean itself. That's why... Can the ship take the dead skin off my body and turn that dust into something else? Sure. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's where the matter comes from. It's all just dead skin. Or or poop. Like, oh, you know what you're eating, right? <laughs> it's like it's just leftover people. Duh. That's a spot for I liked the subtle exploration of the stresses of living in Starfleet. Mm. Right? Because yeah. when I was in the Navy, there was a thing about space and I I I just, 100% hands down the space where the lower deckers live that space is larger than the space than that I used to live on my ship uh-huh. only our space was much smaller Ooh. so it would be three three bunks high uh-huh. right and you'd have like a bunk behind you and a bunk in front of you and then a bunk on the other side of you uh-huh. and then there would be like rows of those but the space was much smaller like the space between the two bunks like the person across from me was a bunk away from me like you could put if you put a bunk in there it would be another bunk between us it would be packed tight okay so you could reach reach across with your arm to the other bunk we could reach each other i'll say that yeah i mean the beds were not tiny the beds were the, the mats but they weren't tiny because they were of course one size fits all because they were all just basically like borg alcoves so like <laughs> the biggest the biggest guy had to fit in it damn right so we had like, I, who I was about to call out a name, but we had this one big, big guy and he fit in the bunk just as well as I did. So like a quarterback and a linebacker fitting into the same space. This guy, somehow this guy was more like Fat Al. Not Fat Al. Yeah, like he was more like, he was built like Fat Al. He was huge. He was a big guy. Okay. Big fat guy. But he fit in there and he could pull the curtain and you wouldn't see that there was anybody in there. Oh, okay. So I do like the exploration 
of the space of Lower Deckers, I literally lived below sea level when I was <laughs> on my ship. I mean, I was an engineer, so like it was fine. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated the exploration of like actually living yeah. that life. I don't know that I would want to have a room above decks by myself either. Like there was a certain comfort in knowing that all of my friends were around me. Okay. You know, the people that would watch out for you in the most hazardous, dangerous the, situations. The people that would tap me if the thing started filling up with water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people who would like, you know, or so space. near somebody who could tap my bunk and be like, hey, let's, we got it. Hey. Yep. <laughs> you know, abandoned ship. Whereas, like, if I was in a room by myself, they might not even think they might just run past, you know, like, but there's somebody right there. Like, if they have to jump down, mm -hmm. I'm going to hear them. If they move around, I'm going to hear them. Yeah. So the space that uh, Nyota or Hura has on the Enterprise in uh, Strange New Worlds is bigger than the space that you had on your ship. Uh, yeah, they're, that big like open space in the middle between their bunks mm -hmm. didn't exist. Like we were lined up in rows, and those rows oh, were yeah. narrowed up. Those rows were enough to walk down. I was talking about the space that you actually had for your bunk. That's yeah, that's basically the size of a bunk. Okay. And then, like, you lift up that bed, and there's, like, a whole, like, storage box Ooh, cool. underneath your mattress. Uh-huh. That's where you store all of your stuff. All of your stuff has to fit under there. Mm hmm So you're not going to be getting any bat lifts on, on tour and bringing it home? Well, I had a bicycle aboard ship. I had Ooh. You have to get, like, special... You have to have a special place for it and lock it in place, and it has to be secure, yada, yada, whatever. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I had a bicycle on the ship for a while. It's cool. pretty great. Get to a pleasure port, pull that bike out, and go riding around. No need to pay for a taxi. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, I also in like the exploration, as I mentioned, of like the stuff, like the PTSD stuff, like this. Freeman was not being herself this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. like she was like totally micromanaging. Mm -hmm. She like she as much as as much as she claimed that she was trying to be more hands off with Mariner, she really was never hands on with Mariner. Really? And no, she yeah. wasn't like she didn't like constantly ride her and be on her. Like no. Yeah. Because it, for like especially like in the first season, apparently people weren't supposed to know that she was her mom or whatever. Yeah. Like, maybe I really understood how that story was supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's. I think I was supposed to explain what a little bit of why they went by two different surnames. Yeah. Yeah. Could. I mean, Mariner's old enough. Could she be married? No, she's not married. Why not? She's. Uh. Uh. They just don't serve on the same ship. I don't know. I don't know, Earl. That's that would be something to look forward to finding out. Wait, Admiral Freeman. What? Mm, so that. Hmm. Okay. Oh, did well, I, I blow guess... your mind? No, you didn't. Oh. I'm just because the last, the previous explanation was that she had her mother's maiden name. That was our speculation. And now our, and now your speculation is that maybe she's married. So I am. I, I think I either of those I'm are possible. Very curious to, I agree with you, and that is the sound that I was making. <laughs> okay. It wasn't neurons exploding. <laughs> so next week we explore. I enjoyed this episode a great deal. I'm sorry. And uh, 
and I, but I don't want to give it the same that I gave it last time. I, but I'm just, I'm going to give it, I'm actually going to give this episode. I don't know. Let me think about this for just a moment. Okay. I think I'm going to, I think, I think I need to adjust all of my previous. <laughs> no, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go 9.5 again. Six, actually. 9.6 is what I said last time. I'm going to give this one the same one just because I know there's got to be something better and I need to leave space for that. <laughs> because none can be 10. 9.9 is the highest score. I'm going to establish that now this time. Uh-oh. So n- not, you can't ever have a perfect episode. Perfect is 9.9. Oh. Oh, because you can't go to... There's also no zeros. Oh. You can have a point, point, Google, point Google 1, but no zeros. Your turn. I think, yeah, I think I agree. Maybe a 9.4. Okay. I definitely was very intrigued by the uh, Bonnie and Clyde scene. Is that what caught? That was what was on the thumbnail. You 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 told me to, that you wanted to get my. <laughs> I remember you said that take a look at the thumbnail. Maybe we should record your initial reaction. But I went ahead and looked at it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I don't remember whether that was like a good thing or a bad thing, but it was like, "Oh, it's a ho- I knew it was a holodeck. Yeah. Yep. Because the only way they could be black and white would be in the holodeck. Sure. Now? Yes. Okay. Next week, we explore the episode Reflections. Mariner and Boimler work uh, the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair. Ruthie challenges himself. The episode will be, or has been, written by Michael McMahon, our creator of this series, and the director was Michael Mullen. Well, that's our show everybody that is our show i'm actually pretty interested in seeing the episode that is by mike mcmahon it tells me that it must be something pivotal and important oh right like when uh like when akiva goldsman writes an episode of strange new worlds oh you know like uh balance of mercy okay was it errand of mercy errand of terror Whichever it was, whichever it was, Akiva Goldsman wrote it, and it was because it was that pivotal, pivotal episode. So that's the yeah. that's recent history of Star Trek for you. Yeah. So Mike McMahon penning an episode must be a big one. Hopefully, not yeah. that the rest of them aren't. This will be. Oh, this is a halfway point. This is episode. This will be episode five. There are only ten episodes. I was yeah. I, oh, I, yeah, I guess there are. I keep forgetting that we have our, our seasons of Star Trek are half seasons. Yeah, they are. I mean, I I haven't looked it up. I don't know, but I'm guessing there's only two. I think that's about right. Okay. Yeah, they should, it should be whatever it was last season. That we did Until next time, everybody. Please stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Please support the continued making of this show through <laughs> Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. 
Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako's Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. Does that fit for Star Trek fans looking forward to like getting to the Star Trek type future? What? What do you mean? Staying positive and dreaming big about. Oh, I think that's inevitable. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm gonna let me close this. I'm gonna go make some some food. Enjoy. Okay. Cheers. Ciao.